Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Great Transylvanian Bite Off, where this week we are pitting my ability to not cry at a TV show against the ending scene of the second to last episode of this season. My name is Dana Kunkel. And I'm Evan Morkall. This week we're talking about the excellent season two of Castlevania. You nailed it when you suggested doing this right after the shit show we've just <laughs> been through. We needed this. We needed this. What a breath of fresh air this show is. And what an incredible season. I mean, Holy season one's crap. enjoyable, but season two, this is the roller coaster ride you sign up for. So this is my I this might be my third time watching this season. So I want I want to make sure to give you a ton of space to to talk about it from a first time perspective. How did you watch it? Did you break it up at all? Did you did you binge it or binge well, it in chunks? The last time we watched Castlevania, I had accidentally started this season. I had watched the first two episodes. Mm. So this time I went back and I was like, oh, I already started. Ah, fuck it. I just started over from <laughs> season two, episode one. Yeah. And then I just watched them all through um, back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And uh, I had a great time. I think, again, season one is excellent. Season two is like. This is the meat and potatoes of of what this is all about. 100%. Um, I am shocked by how well this show <laughs> provides a character study on these people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, it, it'd be so easy. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I just have to. No, no, it'd be no. so easy for a show like this to end with the climactic big battle at the end and have that be how this show ends. Yes. It doesn't matter if there's going to be future seasons or not. They could end it that way and be like, all right, now our heroes are here and who knows what's next? No, no, no. They give what feels like the longest episode of the season to be the final episode after the fighting has settled. Yes. After everything that we have built to this season has ended, we get an entire episode that is these characters reflecting on what they've been through. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yes. I mean, it really is like, the final, the second to last episode is is Dracula getting to reflect on his his life and what he has done and how he has changed. And we get a lot of him in this season, thank God. But that's that final episode, the way we see literally every single character get a chance to reckon with what they've been through and how they have changed is touching. It's it's not what you expect at all, but it really lets each actor finish their through line in a way that I admire. Yeah. Before we really dive into the plot again, like we said with season one, just watch the show. If you've got Netflix, sit down, crank through it. I watched this in two. I watched the first four episodes and I watched the second four episodes this morning. And I think that's how you if you can watch it all in one sitting, I'd recommend it. it, it it's a little long for that, yeah, though. So if long. you do, I would say do the first four episodes one day and the next four episodes the next day and try to watch them all at once because it's written all at once. If this was released week by week. It wouldn't work because there are yeah. whole episodes of this season that are just people walking around talking. Yeah. And some most of the time, it's not even Dracula walking around and talk. It's just mm -hmm. like people talking or reading books. Yeah. It doesn't work if you think of it as an episode. If you think about it as the middle 20, 40 minutes of act two, though, it works perfectly. You're it like, sings. love it. Yeah, it really does. I mean, what you were just saying, we're talking about people literally sitting around reading and doing research at times. Yeah. And it's thrilling. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, everything that takes place at the Belmont house or basement, as it were, to them figuring out how they're going to move the castle, all of that stuff. You're just like kind of sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to see what they figure out next. And there's fun character moments between them. Yes, I was just going to say the reveal that like these characters have spark, which Mm -hmm. we don't get to see a ton of until they're just we get this time to watch them communicate with each other and try to figure out problems. They start to spark. You start to see a lot of the fun that you can have with these characters. So we're going to spoil the whole season. So spoiler alert. (laughs) Get out now. Um, We are going to adjust Dracula scores a bit because a couple of things have have changed and shifted this season. Season one, not Dracula's season. Season two, also not Dracula's season, but more his season. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, a lot going on with my man, um, certainly in the fighting uh, and the transformation department. Mm-hmm. Um, who who's your favorite new character? We've got a oh, couple. Yeah, I mean, Camilla's great. She yeah. is. She is so just like bad. She's the first like in season one, you get a lot of the church and you feel how they're sort of like how they've gone wrong, how uh, I can't think of the word. Um, corrupt. Thank you. How corrupt the church has become. And yeah. it's a lot of stuffy old men that have only been talking to each other for years. This one is like it introduces Camilla, whom great pull from, you know, classic vampire lore <laughs> and throws her in there. And she is actually just a villain. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. she's a villain that has a good reason for being a villain, but she's out there to do bad things to to people. <laughs> Dracula's barely the villain in this season, I would yeah. say. He's the antagonist in terms of, like, strict, here's a plot, here's the protagonists, here's the antagonist. But on a, he he's not the bad guy, I would say. I totally agree. As much as Carmilla is. I want to know what you think of the Forge Masters, but let's just let's just dive yeah. into the plot and we'll get to them. I was going to mention them next, but yeah, let's let's get into this. They are incredible and I think they are the best addition, especially uh Isaac, but we'll get there. Yeah. This season picks up immediately after season 1. Um mm-hmm. so Trevor and Saifa have freed Alucard, Adrian. Uh we learn his real name is Adrian. Uh from his little uh Airbnb underneath the town and they freed him and he's out in a boot and we finally get to see what Dracula's been up to. And Dracula has assembled this war council. He's brought together these vampires from all over the world, there are some Indian vampires. Uh, there is Godbrand, who is Peter Stormare, of course, and is a fun little character. He is a Viking, uh, like Viking warlord vampire. Um, there are vampires from China. There are like vampires from all over the world who have all come together. You get to get a real sense of Dracula is the head of this race not this not these people this race of beings it's really cool uh meeting seeing them from all sorts of different cultures come together you get a sense again that dracula is he really is he's the leader of all of of this entire race um and that's what they treat it as is they're not even related anymore they are entirely separate different trees when eventually it comes time for carmilla to scheme her to spring her betrayal trap She has to do it in a way that's surprising Dracula with overwhelming forces because she knows even in the state he's in this season, he'll kill everybody and and he'll do it easily. It is Dracula's power levels in this season are nuts. (laughs) And it's crazy how, again, he's not 
in his most powerful state. They talk about yeah. it all season long, y'all. They talk, they consistently drop hints here and there that Dracula's not who he used to be. He's not the giant that he once was. His not mind's feeding, not in the game. He's maybe. not feeding. He hasn't eaten in months, probably. And he still smacks down everyone. Yeah. <laughs> he kills He kills everybody who comes across him. Vampire, human, everybody. Um, most of this season can really be summed up with Trevor, Alucard, and Sypha decide to go, like you mentioned, to the Belmont Hold, which he's like, Trevor's like, I want to go home. And Sypha's like, you're a baby shut up and trevor's like no i literally want to go to my house we have like the house was burned down yes but all of like generations of my family's knowledge is preserved in an underground doomsday bunker basically full of knowledge weapons every recorded interaction with dracula or the castle so they just decide to go there and like we said everything except for the last three ep five episodes of this show it's them reading books the whole season mostly until it's time for the final fight they're just trying to figure out different plots different plans I think they let the video game come out a little bit in a really fun way when they get to the hold because trevor is just like Alucard and Sypha are the ones who are going to read and translate everything and figure <laughs> out the magic. Trevor goes because it's his house and he just spends the whole season uh, flirting with Sypha, getting into little bitch fights with Alucard and finding cool weapons that his family left <laughs> lying around in the basement. It's great. It's exactly the character arc I would want to have if I were playing a video game. It really is. He just walks in. And just gets to explore the family home and discover fucking awesome weapons like the Morningstar Whip. They're like reading these books and he's just like, he pulls a chest out of a half collapsed wall and he's like, <laughs> the Morningstar Whip. <laughs> it's just, he needed to like, dun, 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 like hold it up, <laughs> ready to go. There's kind of, there's two main storylines. There's that storyline, which they, they read. There's like we said, there's very cute interactions between all of them. Uh, Sypha and Trevor definitely are much more of a romantic interest in this season. There's a lot of will they won't they alucard is like better and smarter and just like kinder in most ways but then sypha and trevor have this conversation about how sypha's like he's just kind of weird to be in a room with which is <laughs> offensive i think because he's probably got super here he can hear you definitely can hear them and she's just like he's like a he's like a like a black cloud in the room and it's like whoa what are you doing? Why are you so mean to him? Um, the I think the coolest bit of information that we learn is Alucard is not his name. Like I said, Adrian is his name. And he gives a beautiful, beautiful monologue about this where he he and Dracula spend a lot of time this season thinking about Lisa, thinking about Alucard's mom, Dracula's wife. Um, she is like the heart of of the show, really, mm -hmm. but especially this season, especially these two men where Adrian says Alucard was what like some people called me, but she hated that because she does. She didn't want me to be defined by him and vice versa. She wanted us to both be our own men. And that's heartbreaking. And very sad because he decides to keep calling himself Alucard to this season 
Yeah. Because he's standing in opposition to his father. Um, this season, this sh- season specifically handles depression in such an interesting way. There are, there are movies, there are shows that handle it much better. Obviously this is an animated vampire show, but the depiction of Dracula on the other side of the coin, all of Dracula's storyline in this show is about how everyone in the castle, Carmilla, the two forge masters who we'll talk about in a second, Godbrand, every, all the other vampires think he's weak and they think he is not fit to lead this war. They acknowledge his power and he is still in charge, but everybody is questioning Dracula. And Dracula's questioning himself, I would say. Yeah, I'd say it's like, as you said, this is an animated vampire show. Its job is not to show us a realistic or truthful depiction of depression. But the fact that it actually lets its character experience it and experience the difficulties that come along with questioning oneself and dealing with other people looking at you with a, you know, through a different lens than you're used to, that's really... Honestly, I'd say that's a really respectable way of handling it. It's without diving directly into the issue, it lets it be there. It lets it be very present. And Adrian deals with it some too. Uh, Oh my God, yeah. The way they both are struggling with the loss of their mother and how it balanced the two of them out, how it, you really get a sense, as you said, she is the heart of the show and you really get a sense in this one of what she not meant to both, not only meant to both of them, but literally how she allowed them to function. Yeah, I feel like we'll dive into that a little bit at the last episode. The Forge Masters. We finally learn how Dracula gets all his freaky little monsters. Uh, It's because two guys, Hector and Isaac, make them from dead bodies. (laughs) And it's great. It's so fucked, y'all. And when... I love it. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> we get we get an intro of Cam- who Camilla is like and how she yeah. came to be this way but with Hector and Isaac it's like oh, oh no you're going to see their childhood and you're going to see how they got fucked up because they're both they're both humans this is the other thing Hector yeah. and Isaac are humans that have turned their back on humanity and Dracula comes to them in need of help I mean, the most powerful being that is around comes to them in need of help. And that that's how good these guys are at their job. Uh, and they're there, there's like a whole episode, pretty much. I think it's episode three or four. It's mostly flashbacks explaining yeah. how Hector and Isaac are the way they are and how Dracula kind of got this war group together. Mm-hmm. Dracula makes the controversial decision in the first episode to say, hey, every other vampire, Hector and Isaac are in charge of the war plans. Wherever they say we're going to go, we're going to go. And all the vampires are, I would say, understandably pissed off. (laughs) They're like, what are you talking about? And Dracula makes the good point of they are humans. And so they don't think of humans as food like we do. Yeah. They are going to execute this extinction. They constantly this season are emphasizing that this is an extinction that Dracula wants. They are going to orchestrate it. The big will they, won't they, I guess, of the season is 
pretty much half of the vampires are under the impression that they're going to herd the humans and make them into livestock, essentially. This is also uh, supported by Hector, who is one of the Forge Masters, played by Theo James, who is good, and Carmilla, who, you know, she is she is wisely pointing out, if we kill the humans, we'll all be dead in a month because there's no food. On the other side of that is Dracula, and there is Isaac, who Isaac is my favorite addition to the show um, in this season. And he, I think, continues to carry the show through seasons three and four. Three, mm. things go all over the place. And <laughs> four gets it back on track a little bit. But through all of that is Isaac, played by uh, Adita Kumbo McCormack, who is radical. He's great. He's great. The act, his voice acting, the voice yeah. acting in the show is really, uh, I don't want to say weird. It's very different from either anime or American yeah. animation. It's a very naturalistic way of speaking. And it's something I don't think a lot of the actors nail in the way that Isaac and Dracula uh, nail. I agree. It's funny that, I mean, Richard Armitage is obviously like, probably like the biggest name of this cast and yet in many ways i think he's the one who fits it the least yes. um and when you get to really hear isaac come out and start to be a major player you hear why richard armitage's voice stands out not in so great a way because it just it feels so right i yep. mean this guy is this guy carries around a whip with him that is spiked so he can you know punish himself this is this is isaac yeah. this is isaac and yet <laughs> and yet you hear him and you you watch him and he's somehow sort of magnetic he pulls you in in a way that is really impressive isaac is definitely dracula's main confidant the whole season they have mm -hmm. a they have a shared appreciation for why they believe humanity should be wiped out there is a clear thread throughout the whole season where a lot of the characters are constantly reiterating Dracula's trying to kill himself. He doesn't want to live in this world without Lisa. And Alucard, I think, puts it best where he says this whole campaign against the humans, this whole thing is history's longest suicide note. And you can't, I don't think your heart can help but break a little bit at that, man. Mm -hmm. He's a monster, but... Him and Isaac are, and, and Hector, to be fair, a, lo a lot of them are very much like, we don't, it's, we don't want the suffering. We don't want humans to suffer. We want them dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the vampires like Godrand and Carmilla are like, nah, man, let's make it really uh, freaky up in here and let's really make them suffer. And everybody else is like, we, we, can we just kill them? <laughs> can we just kill them in the most humanely, humane, quick way possible? And, and Carmilla, who we've mentioned a few times, her arc in this is truly just she sneaks in and she's there to kind of take over. She yeah. is trying to take out Dracula, take over as sort of leader of the whole group. And so she spends pretty much the entire show just trying to steal people to her side yeah. and then blackmail them. She kind of lures Hector in by appealing to the side of him that doesn't want humans to go extinct, but it wants them to be sort of taken care of in an interesting way. And then the moment she gets him to agree with her at all, she's like, great, you're mine. Done. Yeah. Like, you can't go back now. Literally, as soon as their big betrayal plan gets underway, she drops it all. And she's like, you belong to me. You can't go back to Dracula now. Yeah. 
She just starts. She starts. Yeah, I was gonna say she starts calling him a pet and a puppy. Like, uh, she's she's fantastic. And Hector is just stuck. Um, Yeah, you feel you feel very bad for him because he is doing what he thinks is right. I think why Isaac appeals to me more is Isaac is consistent. Yeah, Isaac is not flaky. Isaac loves and respects and believes in Dracula. Well, Godbrand, a character we've mentioned a little yeah. bit. Um, Godbrand is another character that, yeah, is another character <laughs> that Carmilla quickly kind of pulls to her side and she just uses him, basically. Yeah. Godbrand's a dumb piece of shit and she uses him, though he has an incredible scene with Dracula. I mean, yes. Godbrand walks in and he's like, hey, can I ask you a question? Dracula's like, what's up? And then he's like, you know, what are we going to eat if all the humans are dead? <laughs> And Dracula's like, don't worry, I got you taken care of, bro. It's going to be fine. Godbrand's like, I got cold yeah. blood storage. Godbrand's like, prepared for this. Godbrand's like, man, I can't eat pig blood. I shit myself. And Dracula's <laughs> like, you're a dumb, insignificant motherfucker, and I will murder you if you don't get out of my face. Like, oh. we see, we see the the old Dracula, brutal, evil Dracula come out, just like. 20% in that scene as he shuts down Godbrand and puts him in his place. And then from that moment, Godbrand is like, yeah, I'm team Carmilla all yeah. the way until our guy Isaac, man. Mm, uh, it's a great fight. The fights in this are better. The fights in this are yeah. exceptional, and I don't think they get any better until season four, but it isaac godbrand goes to isaac everybody's just walking around this castle being like hey fuck dracula am i right and sometimes people are like yeah fuck dracula and then isaac is like i love dracula fuck you (laughs) and godbrand goes to isaac and is like hey man carmilla's got this plan we need just need to go to this town if we just teleport the castle to this town it's all gonna work out great carmilla's got this plan and isaac's like are you sure about that? And Godbrand's like, absolutely. And Isaac's like, cool. Here's my whip around your neck with my <laughs> spikes. I'm going to rip your throat open. And me, a human, is going gonna, is gonna to kill you now and scatter <laughs> your ashes over the tower so nobody knows what happens to you. And nobody ever finds out what happens to Godbrand. It's brutal. What a, As you said, the fights are better in this one. It's not that season one aren't fun. But mm-hmm. season one fights... They lean, I think, a little bit more. This season's still plenty gory. But season one leans a little bit more into, like, the explosions and the blood. And this is like, no, this is a straight-up hand-to-hand fight scene that we get between these two characters. Yeah. And it's, you see why Isaac is feared and respected by Dracula. Because Godbrand is a leader, is like, you know, a vampire leader of sorts. And Isaac takes him out, no problem. Yeah, 30 seconds flat. He's down. He, like, he just boom, 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 out. It's great. Um, l- Let's dive into the last two episodes. And then the because the, like you said, like you said, the last episode is kind of unattached to like the storyline. It's just character wrap up. Yeah. Uh, Carmilla's big plan is basically, hey, Dracula, your castle can teleport. We kind of knew this in season one. We get to see it for real in season two. And it's an awesome effect. Dracula's got a big D20 up in his attic and he makes it spin (laughs) and it teleports them where they want to (laughs) go. Carmilla is like, "Okay, let's go to this town. It's the only seaport in this country. We'll lock it off. We'll landlock the humans and we'll, we'll cage them in here. Solid plan. 
her big betrayal plan is as soon as they teleport there, Isaac or no, Hector goes to Isaac and is like, hey, hey, Isaac, I got this great plan. Let's teleport to this town. It'll let Carmilla chill out a bit and then we can get back to the job. And Isaac and Isaac's like, OK, fine, I'll talk to Dracula. <laughs> Dracula is finally just like, oh, fine, I'll do it. Dracula does everything with a sigh in this yeah. <laughs> season until the last two episodes. Teleports the castle. Carmilla's got her whole army there. And Hector has made some fun demon monsters for her to use. They have a bridge that the vampires have to use to cross into the town that they're attacking. So all of Dracula's people crossing the bridge. Hector brings back the bishop from the first season to bless the river and then Carmilla blows up the bridge so all of the vampires fall into the recently blessed water and explode. It's so cool and is one of the most creative uses of necromancy that we've seen in any show, it's I think. So cool. It is so cool. The effect's good. It's all works, yeah. man. And the way the bishop slowly burns up as he's standing there in the holy water now, so cool. Um, she then uses her forces uh, to attack the castle. There is a big fight. In the middle of this fight, our heroes have finally come up with a plan. <laughs> Saifa's awesome plan is she finds a book that says, hey, if you want to trap Dracula's castle in one place, here's the spell. Saifa goes, I've got a great idea. I'm going to teleport the castle right on top of us and lock it right here. So she does that. It's fun. <laughs> Alucard's like watching the castle through a mirror and she teleports it there. And then Trevor's like, did you just teleport Dracula's castle on top of us? Saifa's <laughs> like, yes, I did. And Trevor's like, OK, let's uh, I guess let's go fight the boss then because it's <laughs> boss fighting time. She just breaks the castle like <laughs> we have. The, they have this great conversation later where she's like, I don't break things. And then Adrian's like, yeah, you did. You broke the you castle. Broke the castle. <laughs> but then we get the last two episodes. Which is, which is fight central, baby. We got the fight in the castle. We've got Trevor, Alucard, Saifa fighting the vampires. We've got Carmilla kind of runs away a little bit after the yeah. castle teleports, which, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, Isaac is fighting other vampires to keep them away from Dracula. Carmilla kidnaps Hector in the middle of this. Don't worry about it. They're gone until the last episode and then season three. And then we get the fight. We get mm -hmm. the fight that the mm -hmm. whole season's been building towards. Mm -hmm. Alucard goes to Dracula's study, where Dracula's been this whole time. Isaac's there. He's like, I'm going to protect you, Dracula. With like you, you need to live. Your knowledge and your wisdom and everything you have in this amazing castle needs to survive. I will die for that to happen. Dracula's just like... My biggest regret is that I've taken away a choice from you. And he shoves Isaac through this teleportation mirror that he's got. Really Isaac, cool. It's incredible. I want Isaac, that mirror. <laughs> Isaac is pissed, but Dracula closes the door behind him. Where's Isaac? We'll find out in season three. <laughs> and then it's it's fight time. Alucard walks in the room. Father, son, stare off. Dracula's like, you couldn't beat me last time. I kicked your ass at the beginning of the show. Everybody saw it. What are you going to do this time? <laughs> Trevor and Saifa walk up either side. The squad's all there. Alucard says, I was, I was alone last time. And then we get the fight. This is like the best three on one fight I have seen in any animated show ever. This show is the best example of how to 
logically and in the most entertaining way possible use your hero's superpowers because they all have superpowers yeah. let's be real how to use them off of each other what's your favorite use of superpowers and and why is it Sypha cutting that guy in half with a block of ice <laughs> oh my god that was so cool she says she's using this she's using the ice as sort of like this you know moving sword almost to like chase after this vampire he, the sheet of ice. Yeah, it's just a straight sheet of ice. He, he, the vampire flips to run on top of it to charge her, and she just flips it and it slices him right down the middle. It's brutal. She is so brutal. Like, She's oh my so ridiculously God. powerful. There is a scene in this in this season where we'll get back to this in a moment, but I have to describe this. They're fighting a, a a fire drake. They they can like in season one, there are these creatures that they can shoot fireballs from their mouth. She <laughs> has control of fire. She <laughs> traps the fireball in his throat and just <sighs> blows it up. Sypha's got some issues to work Sypha's through. I was just gonna say, we wanna think Sypha is just like the normal one who's magical, but I think she's the most fucked one of this group. <laughs> when when they start like the three of them really start fighting Dracula all at once, when Dracula like sees her use magic he's literally like speaker magic like he sounds so angry about it which is understandable she like uses ice as like a like a machine gun and just like makes these sharp cones of ice yeah. to stab all the vampire guards she's blowing fire in anyone's face that she can get a hold of she's op man it's great she is crazy yeah, this fight happens. The beat by beat, I don't think isn't that important, except it is because it's incredible. There's a great moment where. Yeah. What's they, your favorite moment? <laughs> my favorite moment. We're just going to go back and forth for about 20 <laughs> minutes now saying, oh, no, this moment. Oh, this moment. <laughs> There's that one. There's this great moment where. So the three of them charge in. We get great usage of all of their powers and abilities. Dracula yeah. clearly hates magic and he also clearly hates the Morning Star. He <laughs> is like, oh, wow. Well, I ain't no ordinary vampire, but that's cool. Okay. That's well played, man. Respect. Uh, like respect. Cool I see cool that. Whip. <laughs> yeah, I see that Morningstar whip. Hate the player, not the game. But then he's like, but I raise you. I'm Dracula and I'm oh. tired of this. And that just creates a giant ball of fire to send at them. It takes all of them to repel it back at him. And then he still blows it up in their face. My favorite moment comes right before this. So this is perfect. Excellent. It's like we planned it. Dracula, like, is just backhanding Sypha and Alucard all across the room. He's throwing Alucard through walls. He's, like, slashing Sypha's, practically cutting her arm off with his fingernails. Mm -hmm. Like, he's throwing her. So there is a point where it's just Trevor because Dracula, like, throws Sypha. Trevor's like, Sypha! Trevor goes up, not a plan in the fucking world, and just starts, like bar punching dracula he's like punching him in the stomach and in the face and dracula gives him like one punch and he goes down because it's dracula he's given this punch he like lifts trevor up and he's like you're you're the belmont i figured that out because you came up and tried to sucker punch me he's, he's choking him out he's like He's like, here ends your line. Dracula's tearing people's hearts out the whole season, too. We kind of glazed past that, but he's just ripping hearts out. He's about to rip Trevor's heart out. His hand starts to go. Alucard stabs him through the both of his arms, mm -hmm. holding him in place. Sypha dips underneath Trevor <laughs> and gets right up in Dracula's face, makes her little rock star gesture and just proceeds to shoot a flamethrower <laughs> directly in Dracula's face. 
And then they all jump back and Trevor hits him with the morning star. Dracula's flying back. Dracula's like this, the fucking morning star, man. You, but good call. You're not going to kill me. <laughs> but no. Good call. But I am not just a normal vampire. He says, just like you said, but I want to get the words for word because I think it's important. He says, Please. I am Vlad Dracula Tepesh and I am tired of this. <laughs> and then he summons a fucking volcano rock and throws <laughs> no, it at like, them. Literally, guys, it's like a ball of magma. Sypha <laughs> airbends to push it back. Trevor's like bracing her Alucard has to jump in front and push it back with the most powerful sword ever. And they finally push it back and it slams Dracula through a wall. He's in the library. And then him and Alucard just decide to have a Dragon Ball Z fist fight. <laughs> and it's awesome, man. They're both, they both can fly. Alucard yeah. can teleport a little bit. So they're just teleporting and beating the shit out of each other. And it's just going literally back and forth until it reaches a certain point where you realize the only one flying is Alucard because Dracula is just smacking him through walls. He is running and like they're they're doing the little back and forth thing and then it switches it switches to slow-mo for a brief moment so you can see that Alucard's sprinting at him and Dracula just catches him right God. in the gut. Dra Alucard's doing his he's, he's he's like running so fast that it looks like he's teleporting, he's like punch, goes back to punch. Slow motion, grabs him in the face and slams, slams him, into him. The dirt and then throws him through a wall, follows him, punch, 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 punch in that room, throw him through another wall, punch, 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 punch in that room, throw him through. He throws him through three walls he as one continuous shot. And it's beautiful. I it's mean, the most beautiful thing. I cry when I start to see it because it's just gorgeous. And then it leads them. I mean, speaking of crying, it leads them into Alucard's. <sighs> bedroom this is childhood tear up <laughs> bedroom and dracula stops because he realizes that he is killing his son whom oh, is God. the best thing his wife ever gave him the del the delivery graham mctavish's delivery in this is truly one of the most heartbreaking things you can listen to the animation complements it beautifully because he's been as we've emphasized for humor purposes, he's been throwing him through walls the whole fucking fight. <laughs> so he throws him through this final wall and he and Alucard slams into a bed and we're just like, oh, whatever. This is normal. And Dracula steps through and his whole fight, very fun detail. His eyes have been red. Mm -hmm. Whole thing have been blood red, which we'd never seen before. And he throws him through this wall and he steps. It's literally making me tear up a little bit right now. <laughs> he steps through and he looks around and he says, this was your room. And they look at the ceiling and there are these stars that, that, that him and Lisa painted on the ceiling. And you see little Alucard's little books and his little protractor. And, and Dracula walks around the room and he's like, we made... He's like, Lisa, we made this bed. We made these toys. I'm killing our boy. And there's us literally. <laughs> um, I mean, it really is in the midst of all of the chaos that we've gotten this season. This is the moment where it pays off all the emotional stakes that we've seen Alucard and Dracula put into it. I mean, we've seen them time and time again try to reconcile on their own their relationship and the loss of their mother. And then we've seen them fight. 
but we didn't actually get to see them try to work together to work through their problem until right now at the end of this brutal beatdown and to see dracula realize that he has spent this entire the entire show so far has been about revenging his wife and trying to pay respect to her in the total wrong way he doesn't realize that he's going about it the wrong way until he realizes that in this moment the ultimate thing he has of her the last thing he still has that is her is his son really hits home it's the it's the best line in the show um and and he says i'm killing the best gift you ever gave me fuck me yeah it it's it's the it's the best way to I I have I've watched hundreds of movies. I've read dozens of books. I've I've read and seen and done dozens of plays. It's the best ending to a fight scene ever. Yeah. That I've ever seen. Hands down. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I mean the the way the rest of the scene plays out is Dracula just sort of breaking down as he confesses all of these feelings. He completely and, gives up. The red goes out of his eyes. Yes. He and, and Alucard, they don't say anything to each other. No. They, they look at each other. The fighting stops and Alucard, who, you know, makes the tough choice, breaks off another wooden stake from his childhood from bed. From his childhood bed that his parents made together for him. God damn, man. And, you know, stakes his dad. And what's different is that he's tried to stake his dad, but his dad does not stop him this time. He lets it happen. He lets him finish the job. And then we get this absolutely brutal ending as Dracula breaks down into this dusty, burned up corpse skeleton. Sludge thing. It's reaching out towards his son still in this moment. He is still reaching out towards his son. In what I would say is in a in a in a loving gesture. I exact. I totally agree. I think Dracula is so his love for his son is so powerful in that moment that it's what's keeping him up. He's literally holding his entire being together because the stake kills him. Yeah, and it doesn't because his his love for for Lisa and for Adrian like is is literally holding him together. And then Sypha and Trevor come in and fucking ruin it. And Trevor <laughs> chops his head off and Sypha's like, take a step back real quick and flamethrower. <laughs> and just like incinerates in front of Alucard, incinerates his father's body in his childhood bedroom. No wonder Alucard is seeing things in the next episode because the man just went through the biggest loss he possibly could. In the worst way he possibly could. The wedding ring is all that's left. God, the ring is left, man. Oh, my God. I talk about the I talk about the scene any chance I get um, because it's it's truly one of the best moments in in art that I've ever experienced it. And it's hard to describe. I think I I really think you just need to watch it and see it. But it's uh, remarkable. It is remarkable. All of the actors nail it. The animation is incredible. Everybody on this show should be uh, commended for what they managed to put together in this scene. Like, truly, it's worth watching two seasons to get to that episode, that fight. It's excellent. And you don't feel bad about liking the fight. No. Because the fight's awesome. The fight's fantastic. And then it ends so heartbreakingly, but not in the way of like, ha, feel bad for liking that fight. Yeah. You're just like, 
you're like, that's a cool fight. God, why do we Damn. fight? Why does anybody fight anybody? Why can't we just love each other? I was just going to say, like, they just wanted to love each other. Everybody's somebody's child. Why can't we just <laughs> love? Oh, anyway, the last episode happens. Lots of character wrap up. Um, yeah. Trevor and Saifa decide to go their own way. Alucard is wicked depressed. Yeah. And is like, cool, I'm just going to stay in this castle because people are going to try and come and take Dracula's shit. And uh, that probably shouldn't happen. Yeah. And Trevor's like, yeah, Trevor, Trevor has that great moment. He's like, this doesn't have to be your tomb. You can take this is my home, too. I'm giving it to you. You will protect the knowledge and you will help people. And it's a great it really is like, I mean, obviously, there's another really sad moment coming for Alucard, but it is a. It's the first moment where we see Trevor try to be his friend and try to reach out and help him. And uh, it doesn't they love end each this episode, other, but they care. They do care. And they now, care you know, for each other. Well, because we learn the most like tragic bit of backstory uh, besides Dracula at Alucard is Trevor in this season, who we learn yeah. uh, his family home was burned to the ground and he's been on his own since he was 13 years old. Yeah. That's how <laughs> they have that great scene where he where Alucard's like just realizing that you had less of a childhood than I did. And Trevor looks up and goes, but your dad was fucking Dracula. <laughs> and they laugh. <laughs> they laugh through their pain together. Um, Isaac is on his own. He kills some people in a desert. Uh, way more exciting stuff for Isaac than I think they set up in this season. Um, uh, Hector is now Carmilla's pet and she holy shit beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Oof. Fadufa beats him up. Yeah. And she's going to go home. She's going to go meet with her sisters. Uh, yeah. Because she's got some sisters and they are a boatload of fun. And she's used the mirror in the castle to understand that Dracula's dead. She knows that. She can tell. Yes. Yeah. She knows he's dead. And the very end of this show is Alucard alone in his spooky ass house. And he walks up the stairs and he says, is, is this what it felt like for you? before mother showed up and he sees a vision of dracula just walking down the stairs he goes to his father's study where dracula literally was uh monstrously depressed the entire season he sets up his chair again he sits in his chair and he cries and the show ends show ends amazing yeah uh watch it just go watch it i mean we've spent 50 minutes talking about how great it is like just watch it and i haven't seen season three yet but i love the way this season sets up all these characters you get to know them better you get this awesome climax and then it's like all right now everybody go everywhere else cypher yes. and trevor are the only ones still together they do get that great moment where cypher's like what i'm trying to say is i want to be I want to spend my time with you. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. They um, both can't communicate. They're no. both little awkward little monsters. Yeah. Um, but uh, everyone else, though, scattered. And um, yeah, the the Isaac stuff when he murders the horse riders and then like turns them all into monsters. It's great. Uh, we, I know we said that earlier. He sent him through a mirror. He sends him to a desert. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck the desert is, but I'm so nah, in. It's the desert. It's so cool uh, to get like a totally different world than we've gotten so far. And as we had established earlier in this season, Isaac came from a place where it was always hot. Mm -hmm. And there's something that's a little bit sad about it because he came from a place that's always hot. 
he tells Hector, he's like, that's why I like the castle. Because I can always put on a blanket or eat some warm food. It's a whole lot easier to warm up than it is to cool down. And then in the end, he gets stranded by the one person he cares about in the fucking desert. I don't know if we're going to do the rest of this show on this show because Dracula's not in. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and spoiler alert, he he does show up again briefly in uh, four season four and season three, but he's he's not in it. So I, I this might be the end of our journey with with Castlevania for the or, show or or we just hold up a mirror to Alucard. And oh, we you want to do Alucard? And it oh. says Dracula. And then we pretend like he's still on the show. It's the same thing. <laughs> I would still recommend finishing the show. Season three is a little slow, uh, but season four, season four, we finally get, um, I I don't think it's a spoiler, Isaac and Carmilla finally fight. Oh, fun. So like a tone for this. And it is stunning. Oh, that's very fun. It's a beautiful fight in this pool of blood. And it's just them like ice skating around each other, stabbing each other. It's great. It's a great, great, great. I'm so in. Um, let's, let's, let's rank him. Let's update some rankings here. Real yeah. Quick. Yeah. You want to run through what we got? Humor and charisma is an eight fashion sense and intelligence are nines. Obviously combat score is a four TBD shape shifting is a five miscellaneous, uh, was the castle. I believe yeah, we said, which castle. still, still a, 10. a 10. If I could give it a 12, I would grand <laughs> entrance was a three that we used. Uh, we cheated a little bit and we said his fiery entrance in season one, which yeah. is still very good, but I will make a case that we should maybe do. It's, the ending uh, and the book bonus was a 1.5. Can't do much about that. No, but you want to start humor, the top charisma. Here? Yeah, I think we can up this a little bit. I think so. I think, I think so. I think Dracula is as we get to watch him more in this, he becomes even more charismatic yes. because we realize as far away from him, humanity, as he tries to get himself, mm-hmm. he's still a man. Yes. And he misses his wife uh, and his son. So I think there is an element of charisma in this that's really intriguing. And I think he's got that powerful. He He's a leader. He just yeah. is. Yeah. Because people look to him to be one. So he is. Yeah. 100%. Uh, whether or not you want to go all the way up to a nine because this isn't Dracula at his peak, I'm fine with not going there. But like an eight, seven. Eight seven, eight seven was exactly in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely worth an eight, seven. And he's already in the 50s. Boom. We did it. Yeah. Fashion sense, same outfit, same outfit, still it, a nine. It looks still, yeah. It, I maybe want to bump it to like a nine two. Okay, it, cool it it worked for me this season. I yeah. I don't know if it was the cape got a lot more action. I was gonna say I think it's I think it's the cape. The cape looked really good. The cape kills it. I don't know if it's season three or season. F- I believe it's season three. Um, but I, certainly in season four, Trevor starts wearing a cape that I don't think they ever confirm, but it it's dracula's cape That's like cool. it looks exactly like dracula's cape I'm into that. uh intelligence 10 i agree i think the emotional intelligence is there i think the only reason it doesn't work is because he is so depressed i agree but he shows emotional intelligence by able to being able to at least understand what he's been going through towards mm-hmm. the end which is really impressive and also intelligence wise we get a great little tidbit here from adrian about how his father is a man of science and a, a man of philosophy. Baby. Yeah, and he's a polymath. So, like, he has. We understand that, and also we get to see 
We get to see Adrian's room, and as you said, there's a protractor. You can tell that his parents are like, you're doing homework tonight, babe. Um, <laughs> and I really respect that. So I think a 10 is very fair. They walk through the castle, and Sy- they like walk through it at the end, and Sypha's like, this is like science. This is honest-to-God science. And like speakers have talked about this for generations, and we didn't think – we thought it was gone. But it's all here. It's all here. And that, oh, there's that great line of he has knowledge that humankind has learned and forgotten three times already. Yep. Awesome. Killer. Killer. You just Combat. yeah, you just know he is holding up all of this information, all of this learning in his in his castle. It's so cool. 100 percent Combat. 12? <laughs> 15, man. 15, man. Uh, it's a 10. It's a, it's 10, a 10. No question. It's a 10. He's got all the tricks. Giant molten lava ball summoning. Uh, <laughs> the only reason he loses is because of emotional damage. Yeah. Like, the there's only reason a, he loses. There's even a great bit where Alucard gets a stake in earlier and he just looks at him and says, not deep enough. Like, <laughs> you not can high just, enough. Yeah, or whatever it was. It's awesome. Like... <sighs> You know, he's, no, he's he, gets, he gets whipped by the Morning Star, which we see kill other vampires. Yeah. He gets staked. He gets shot in the face with fire and he's fine. He's fine. He's he dead. loses because he's a simp. And I love him for that. No, he is easily the most powerful Dracula we have seen yet. It's I nice. just I just keep thinking of like Dracula and son Dracula being put in a room with this guy. And it's like, oh, man, you just try to speak French at him. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy can speak French back because he's a That's polymath. True. That's a really good um, point. Shapeshifting. I would make a case for the dog. Alucard turns into a wolf in this season, and mm-hmm. I would make the case that Dracula can also do it. it. I don't think we can give him that many points, but I think I think it's worth giving him a like a little boost to a six, maybe, just because yeah. there's no way he didn't learn that from his dad. No, it, it's the one area he will, I think, he'll always be lacking in that area, unfortunately. Yeah. Miscellaneous, the castle's still a 10, man. It can teleport. <laughs> I mean, I'd make that castle a 20. Like, it's fucking awesome. Need we say more? Uh, all right. This grand entrance exit. Let's talk. <sighs> I think the fact that I almost cried talking <laughs> talking about the exit. That's a five to me. I mean, it's the I called it the best thing in fiction. Like, <laughs> I would totally agree. I think. You know, this is a great example of it. This is a this is a five, okay? Mm-hmm. And we only have a few fives in this category. All right. This is this is a rare number to get to. Can we, we find have, our other fives actually? I think um, it's only like maybe two or three. We don't have any fives, I don't think. In Grand Entrance, I thought Oh, track- I'm sorry, yes, I'm looking at the book bonus. Uh Nosferatu is five. Yes. Nosferatu is five. Bella is a five. Um, Bella is a five. Original uh, OG Bella is a five. Yeah. Um, Van Helsing is a five. Van Helsing is a five. Yeah, that's that's good company for this. Oh, and, I uh, and Horror of Dracula. Exactly. Oh, this, Horror of Dracula was good. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. this is exactly, this borrows elements of a lot of those more chaotic, destructive, and gory Dracula deaths that we've seen, such as Horror of Dracula. Yeah. Um, and yet I still think it breaks new ground because we get that moment of him continuing to love and reach out for his son we've talked again and again and again about how we hate the idea of dracula being a romantic figure and this is the one instance wherein it's kind of okay we were wrong yeah like i i hate to say that but in this case 
it really works as a tragic romantic character in the end. And um because they skip the predatory part of the relationship. Yeah. Like when he is being a creep in the first episode of the first season, it's called out and he's like, "All right, right, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough, my man." He's like, "You got it." And the rest that. of the time, he's just a great husband. Yeah. Exactly. I wow. I I agree. I think I think it's a I think it's a 5. It's, it's not top notch. 60.4 feels too low. It does feel too low. It does feel this too low. This guy's the blueprint. Yeah, it does feel too low. Criminal. I'm not sure what else we can do. I mean, it is our highest score. I don't think we can do anything. If only he could shapeshift a little bit more. God, if he could do a bat or something. Yeah, if he just turned into a giant fucking bat once, that'd be great. Maybe in Damn season it. five. <laughs> Damn it. And I don't think the book bonus needs to be adjusted at all. Nah. There's Unfortunately, all, all they, that ain't never going to change. God. Ugh, criminal. Robbed. Well, that's ca- that's season two of Castlevania. Um, it's great. Uh, Go watch it. It's great. Just watch it. Our version of Dracula. Yeah. Some thoughts. I read a casting. I read a fan casting that someone had done. Mm. Oh. They threw out a very interesting choice for Dracula. Uh, I must hear. An actor who I love very dearly. Hmm. Keep him near and dear to my heart. I have, a, I have a photo of him in a locket around my neck. I find that hard to believe. Oscar Isaac. Oh, how interesting. Which is a very intriguing choice. I'm interested. For Count Chocula here. I don't hate it. No, I kind of like it. In fact, I like it because he is so far from everyone else that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Who I don't frankly remember everyone we've talked about. I mostly just remember Mads Mikkelsen. That's so obvious, though. It's so obvious. And Oscar Isaac is not. And I think what, what would be interesting is we've talked about this before. It's that moment where Dracula starts absorbing, you know, whoever he's munching on at the time. Yeah. And I think that's how we explain how our guy Dracula could end up being so smooth and appealing as one oscar isaac because <laughs> this is the thing dracula to us for the most part is a villain and this yeah. doesn't have to change that but mm-hmm. oscar is so charismatic and appealing he's so charismatic but then i would also point to ex machina that's a really great point which if you haven't seen it's a good movie but don't worry about it he is yeah. uh, a very uh, eccentric and freaky yeah tech guy oh he'd be i i really like that i really like good and it seems obvious in hindsight not as obvious as like mads mickelson matt smith uh you know some of these other actors but as soon as you as soon as i read it i was like oh that's kind of great so yes we've got some pages first of all though i really want to highlight an article that i read today when i was working on these because i was i was keeping in mind what we talked about mina's the pov mina's our character This is a great article. It's on medium.com. It's called The Many Lives of Mina Murray. It's by Karen Kotek, I believe. I might be mispronouncing that last name. Um, It's a great article. It basically breaks down how Mina is in the book and then complains about how (laughs) poorly she is adapted in every single movie. Yeah. I mean, Um, hell yeah. It's great. It's great. And there was some stuff I was like, really? And I like there's some page references. And I I pulled out my copy of Dracula. I was like, son of a gun. Look at that. 
Um, one part that she doesn't mention that I found when I was literally just flipping through the book, Mina is not her real name. What's her real name? Wilhelmina. She's German. So this is in, uh, this is chapter nine in uh -huh. Dracula. This is Mina Harker writing to Lucy Westenra. Um, this is her describing how she went to Budapest to meet uh -huh. with Jonathan right after he got out. Uh -huh. uh, then he called me back. And when I came, he had his hand over the notebook and he said to me very solemnly, Wilhelmina. I knew then that he was in deadly earnest for he had never called me by that name since he asked me to marry him. And there's a you good know, my reason. That's <laughs> great. You know, dear, my ideas of the trust between husband and wife, there should be no secret, no concealment. I've had a great shock. And when I try to think of what it is, I feel my head spin round. And I do not know if it is all real or the dreaming of a madman. First of all, just like such an easy book to pick up and just be like flipping through and then be like, oh, that's really good. Oh, look at that. Cool. That's really interesting. Wow. Um, wow. So so for your consideration, and if you're listening at home, feel free to send us an email with some thoughts, some ideas. I am not married to this script. You will not hurt my feelings. This is we don't have a title. Are we just going with Dracula? I think I think so. Do we just go with Dracula? I feel like, I mean, if we're keeping it true to the book, then you just call it Dracula. This is our opening scene for Dracula. Fade in. Exterior. A forest in Romania. Night. The moon hangs high in the sky over an endless black forest. We pan over the trees, rustling gently in the night breeze. On the ground, a pack of wolves race silently on the forest floor. They jump over fallen logs and through rushing water until arriving at a clearing. A single beam of moonlight pierces the canopy, revealing a stag drinking at a pond. The wolves circle the clearing, trapping it in. Snap. A branch breaks. The stag looks up. One of the wolves breaks from the tree line, snarling. It leaps in the air, about to bite the stag. At the last second, slam! Something larger and stronger collides with the wolf midair, throwing it backwards. It collides with a tree and slides to the ground. The figure stands in the clearing, towering and cloaked. It doesn't breathe as it crouches low. The rest of the pack emerges from their hiding places, circling the hooded figure. From under the hood, a faint smile catches the moonlight. We see two large fangs. It leans down, grabbing a handful of dirt from the ground. In the blink of an eye, and throws the dirt straight in the air, whispering under its breath. Instead of falling, the dirt seems to morph in midair, becoming smoke and rising into the sky where it mingles with the clouds. The moon slowly becomes obscured. As the last hint of light vanishes from the clearing, the figure erupts with supernatural speed. We pan up to the darkened sky, hearing only the snarls of wolves, then the tearing of flesh, and finally, only a faint whimper. The smoke clears and the moon returns to the sky, hanging silently over the dark forest. We smash cut! Interior, Mina and Jonathan's house, morning. Mina Murray awakens with a start. She breathes heavily, struggling to catch her breath. Evan will read Jonathan, and I'll read Mina, and I don't think we'll do dialect. Damn it. <laughs> Yet. We're going to, the hope is to like, once we've got a full thing, actually get actor friends that we know to like, read this. Yeah. So, smash cut. Mina Murray awakens with a start. She breathes heavily, struggling to catch her breath. She looks to her spot side, expecting to see someone, but the bed is empty and neatly made. A small note is folded with Mina written in simple, neat type. She looks across their large but sparsely decorated bedroom. There's nothing there. She takes the note and reads. Off to the office early. I'll be back by supper. All my love, Jonathan. She smiles, pressing the note to her lips. We slowly pull back, a wide shot of Mina alone in bed. Exterior, the village, day, wide. Mina sits outside writing in quick shorthand, occasionally looking up at a passerby. She watches the market as a, li li as a lively crowd moves through it. A cardinal chirps overhead and she looks up, watching it pass. As she watches, a drop of rain hits her face. She watches as the clouds slowly gather. 
She rolls her eyes and snaps the journal close. Interior, Mina and Jonathan's house, kitchen. Back inside, she stands by the window watching the rain fall in sheets. The only sound is the rain and a faint tapping. Her foot, impatiently. Thunk, she turns. The door opens. Jonathan Harker enters, a leather briefcase over his head to block the rain. He slams the door against the rain, turning back to Mina. Wonderful weather, wouldn't you say? Joke all you want, but it quite ruined my morning. Jonathan approaches, setting his briefcase on the table. He takes her hands. Well, I'm sorry for that, but perhaps I can lighten your mood? You're welcome to try. I've been given an assignment. Mm, go on, you know how lawyering, lawyering is such exciting business. This one is different. It involves travel. She perks up at this. Really? Indeed. Where? France? Some Greek island surrounded by the bluest ocean you could imagine? Not quite. Romania. She slumps back. Oh. All right. Perhaps the travel is less than exciting, but it's my own account. All of the work, but all of the commission. And the client is wealthy. Famously wealthy. Who is it? Account. He checks a paper in his briefcase. Dracula? Well, I've never heard of him. Famous in certain circles, perhaps. When do we leave? You don't mean to come with me. Why not? We're to be married, aren't we? Well, yes, but... Yes? There's only the one ticket. She pulls away fully, returning to the window. Well, I'm sure you and this Count Dracula will get along, famously. I'm sorry. It'll be long and dull, and I'll just be in some castle somewhere, filing paperwork. Enjoyment comes from the company we keep, not where we keep it. Who said that? She turns to him. Mina Murray. She walks past him and ascends the stairs, leaving Jonathan alone. That's all we got so far. I think it's fun, though. I think we're having a great time. She's a little sassy. We, she's she's sassy. gonna she's gonna lead us on this journey. She wants to go on an adventure. It's clear she wants to get out in a boot. She loves Jonathan. There's clearly love. There's some back and forth. And all of that is four pages. Yeah. And now, whenever we complain about the opening scenes of Dracula, now we can actually complain with like legs to stand on because <laughs> we're like here, like here's how we would do it. Yes, this is what we would do. This is the solution. Because even if you didn't do the rest of whatever we're going to, whatever's going to end up happening, whatever we end up writing, even if you didn't do that, if you just had that little bit and then it cuts to Jonathan on his adventure, already you're like, man, care yep. a lot about this Mina. Sure would hate for anything bad to happen to Jonathan for her. Loves Damn her. straight. Damn straight. Also, I like the idea of, I like all the hintings at Dracula being a sorcerer, so I just decided to like fully lean into that. I mean, I think it makes so much sense. And I love the idea that we can set the seed early, that she's experiencing these visions. She doesn't quite know what's going on. Yeah. It's great. It's kind of that's like a what, play. So that's, what, that's where we're at. I, I'm feeling like surprisingly good about that. Yeah. Oh, that was great. I'm. This is awesome. It's We've got some striking weird. visuals too. We're going to have the... There's the difference between the forest, his world, the old world, and the modern day. What's new? I want to make the writing a big deal. A, because obviously writing is the entire book. Yeah. But again, that article, The Many Lives of Mina Murray, just so many, like, so many little details that I forgot from the book that when you read it, it's like, these are so easy to show. And yet they make it, they're, they're such clear character choices. So this, mm -hmm. is, this is from the article. In the original novel, Mina, Mina Murray is an orphan school teacher. Already, that's fucking fascinating. Yeah. The fiance of Jonathan Harker, a middle-class working lawyer whom she marries during the book. She has some access to a more elite social circle, having been quasi-adopted by the wealthy family of Lucy Westenron, an old school friend. Lucy is a charismatic flirt and a foil for Mina, who is consistently depicted as an eminently sensible woman who has long been supporting herself with her own job. We love that. 
Yeah. Adaptations have tended to place her in an elevated social class, giving her a lifestyle and social status similar to that of Lucy in the novel. Even the versions like that in 1992 that mention her role as adopted friend out of her sphere continue to show her in wealthy settings, wearing expensive looking gowns. We're ditching that. We're not doing that. The men begin trying to protect her, but she tells them, I have not faltered. We're getting that in the book, in the movie, showing courage and fortitude. While the novel is grounded in Christian belief, Mina's strongest faith is in information. She cross-references all of their evidence and builds a chronological timetable of events. Her process is very efficient, using mimograph paper to type multiple copies at once and collating everything, including the newspaper accounts. This includes transcribing all of Dr. Seward's notes, which were recited into an early dictaphone. Wait, does that mean in our version, we get to bring back Peter Cushing taking notes about oh, what he's Peter Cushing is Oh, Peter Cushing's going to be talking into the stenograph. <laughs> don't, you, don't even worry about that. No, but as you said, this is, this is one of those parts of the book that people tend to glaze over when they're turning this into a movie. And it's so frustrating to see over and over again because she should be the heartbeat, kind of pun intended, of this story. Um, she should be whose perspective we're seeing. I'm excited to keep going with it because I think this story just has, for a story that's been told time and time again over the last 120 years, there is still so much of it that has yet to be actually fleshed out in a movie. So we're going to do that. And I I think there's a place for Alucard. I'm into that. I'm really into that. Watching watching Castlevania has made me think about it. (laughs) We texted briefly about this before we recorded where I was like, can we please have Alucard? And you you gave the very reasonable yes, but he can't be called Alucard. And we just can't name him Alucard, okay? That's fair. <laughs> uh, Annika, my, my girlfriend, threw out the suggestion that I, of course, love, which is Tom. I'm down for Tom. Tom Tepesh. It's gotta be Tom a now. Fun little, fun it's, little throw. It's gotta be Tom. I, I think Adrian is, is better. Yeah. <laughs> but and is, it is a good name. Tom is way funnier. <laughs> Tom's gonna be in the movie somehow. Maybe we'll call him Thomas, but you'll know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You'll that's Tom. The real ones know it's Tom. And we'll just find a way for somebody to scream out, Tom! Tom, get out of there! No, Tom! A la Khan, actually, is what I was <laughs> Khan! <laughs> Tom! Uh, what a whirlwind of an episode. Yeah. We laughed, we cried. We spooked ourselves a little bit. Yeah, we had a good We've time. We've been all over the place, but now it, it is time to leave. And I am fascinated to know how you will choose to leave this episode. I mean, man, there's a lot of good options. There's so many good options. There's, there's a lot of good options. But I'm going to harken back to a moment we talked about, a horrific moment of violence that's also really <laughs> fucking cool. Uh, I'm going to have... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a sec, I forgot it. I had it and then I forgot it. <laughs> I got lost in the violence. Um I'm gonna have my good friend Sypha create a large sheet of ice and have her fly me out into the sunset on it, not chop me in half. What about you? That's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's, lot that's less, absolutely beautiful. A lot less violent this time. A lot less violent this time. I'm glad the ice has been used to help instead yeah, of hurt. Exactly. Um, hi, God, I don't know how I'm going to exit. 
Um, you could ride out Adrian's sword like a surfboard. Ooh, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna hop on my friend's psychic sword and surf it out like the Silver Surfer. <laughs> what do you want to do next week? What are we watching next? What week? are we watching next week? Let me pull up our old list of Roni. Sorry, Let's, I forgot yeah. to do that. I got so caught up in leaving. Hey, we've had a great time with something that's really good for once. <laughs> I know. Let's... I'm like, I want to keep the train going. I just don't know what's left. We have, okay, yes, so for the record, for the record, we have 48 movies left. We're doing good. It's close. We're so close. 48 movies and Dracula the Musical, which I am determined to cover. Yes. Um, I just need to find a good uh, recording of it that, of course, is legal. Um, I'm going to throw out some ideas here. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Oh, I'm down for that. I love a good Frankenstein we got that. I'm kind of curious about Count Dracula's great love. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What a poster. It's Spanish. Yeah. Mm. You and I both know how we do with Spanish movies. The film is also known as Cemetery Girls. Oh, all right, then. I don't like that it's also known as Dracula's Virgin Lovers or The Great Love of Count Dracula. The Great Love of Count Dracula is okay. Yeah. Contrary to some sources, this film was never released under the title <laughs> Vampire Playgirls. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, come on, those other you sources. sickos. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm torn between these two. I think I'm drawn a little more towards Dracula versus Frankenstein right now. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do that. it. Yeah. All right. Dracula versus Frankenstein. When did this come out? 1971. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, I was worried we wouldn't go back to the 70s. But we do have Lon Chaney Jr. in this one, so that's something. All right. I'll uh, do it for who Lon. Is, who is our Dracula? A Russian man? I don't know. I don't know who this man is, but his name is Zandor Vorkov, and that's oh, incredible. Yeah. We'll see you next week for Sandor. You and me <laughs> and Sandor. A weekend at Sandor's. <laughs> Sand this you can't do one with the sand lot, which sucks because that's <laughs> like so obvious. The sand door lot. Yeah, the sand door lot. We'll see you next week for the sand door lot. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>